everyone. Welcome to Zonan Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. This is, of course, a podcast dealing with the connections between anime and Canadian media. And joining me once again on the program is Carl Olson. Carl, welcome back and also welcome to 2021. How are you enjoying it so far? Um, it's it's better than 2020 in some ways, at least, I suppose. The 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 Bernie at the inauguration meme, you know, give it give it that. <laughs> been, it, yeah, that's been that's been a highlight so far for sure. You and know? we're we're still dealing with most of the crap from 2020. But... Yeah, like so like if you take a look at like we still yeah. are dealing with everything that 2020 has, but so far there's been some fun things along the way. We've uh, you know, we've lived through history, literal history. <laughs> This episode is not going to really focus on anything in particular. We're just going to do mm-hmm. kind of a news roundup, talk about a few different things. And a lot of that is because I was just afraid to plan any specific subject oh, yeah. for this episode because I had no idea what the world was going to look like. Also, um, by even the time in we our recorded. specific pocket yeah. that this podcast handles, some of the things that I imagine we're talking about this episode could change. Yeah, as always. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because things are just that wild right now. It's it, we yeah. sure do live in interesting times. On that note, uh, normally the first episode I do every year, uh, I, I have Randy on and we talk about the previous year in movies, which is a little difficult this time around. Uh, not to I say mean, that there, not to say there weren't tour, movies. Baby. <laughs> it's not to say that there Sonic. weren't movies. Um, I and I am proud to say that the last movie that I saw in 2020 was actually not Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, it was it was Ride Your Wave, which was which was fantastic. That, that's Carl, definitely classier. Yeah. Um, I saw no movies in 2020. <laughs> did, did you Did you manage to see Ride Your Wave? I didn't get to see it in theaters. No, like yeah. I think I think I don't. I mean, when did that When did that run in theaters? That was February. So it's like, yeah. and like, like right at the, the end no, of the, the end of civilization, basically. Yeah. Was that um, before or after um, the the con here in Victoria? Was that before or after Sukino Con? I think it was like either the week before or the week after. I can't. It yeah. was the week. It was right right before. So then I, I headed over your way and we went to Sukino Con, which yeah, is a I lot think of it fun. Was one, I think that was uh, one of the last weeks I went in to work physically. Yeah. <laughs> And it was like, you know, boss is coming back from Austin and they said they had yeah. COVID there. Let's just all stay home. And Glad- then we just continued to do that. <laughs> Glad we could make it to that last con. And, uh, yeah, and we went to yeah. one of the last cons in North America for, for, for last credible cons in North America. Last, last credible. Yeah. Cause I, I think about that and I'm like, oh yeah, there were, there were COVID cons. There were Rona cons yeah. in, in Texas. Cause you know, they do it like that. <laughs> Yeah, and who knows where all... flip it to everybody. I know there's like hundreds of thousands of people dead, but it's it's gallows humor. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what else are you gonna say right now, right? Mm-hmm. But for movies, yeah, that uh, so I am gonna say. Uh, I, I mean, people are probably gonna disagree with me on this. I I do personally think, just based on what what I've observed over the last year, that movie theaters are not really a super dangerous thing. Uh, for COVID, I think if they follow protocols properly, you can, you know, a movie theater is not a bad place to go. And I think you can I think see the movies. Tough part, but... I think the tough part is, is it's hard to have them active enough to make money in them. Yeah. And you still have to do retrofits. And still, if things really light off, you just have a certain level of density and you can't get around it. Like, the problem is, is it's just like, if movie theaters in a vacuum, if that was the only thing, it'd be like, 
That's the all that's open in movie theaters and grocery stores. Yeah, could maybe get away with it. But the problem is, the second you throw like, and you can go have a, a socially distanced beer, you're like, well, we're done. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean the the Rio the Rio Theater in Vancouver recently reopened yes. as a sports bar, and people were joking that they should just reopen as a popcorn theater that just happened to have a very large television screen, which is not far off from what they're doing right now. That's and, literally what they're yeah. doing is they're saying is like, well, we've got the digital projectors anyways, and if instead of having a movie in there, we have um, the hockey game, uh, whatever one happens to be going on, and we lean into that whole we did get a liquor license thing, yeah, and we tape off every all these, all these rows, we can be open-ish enough that we don't just have to straight, like, GoFundMe beg to continue to exist. Yeah. Point is, um, I think as long as theaters are fo- at least following protocol or show that they can follow a specific protocol uh, and aren't, you know, packing screenings, I think it's okay. Nonetheless, Evangelion 3.0 plus point 1.0, uh, who knows when we're going to see that. We're, well, like Anywhere. it's like it's it's rumored we're not even going to have the Olympics now there, so it's like it's all it's all up in the air. Which is funny because I swear some of the stuff we got this season was totally because they're like, hey, that event was in the Olympics just months ago. This is the perfect time to launch a blank anime. Well, as as I mentioned in the in the last episode, like Extra Olympia Kaiklos, like the entire point of that entire show was to tie in with the olympics and not only did the olympics get canceled the show itself got um got postponed (laughs) across across the year and it had like a like it had like a prime time time slot it wasn't it wasn't a late night show so which is weird because it's got the most late night show (laughs) it's basic it's basically an adult swim show (laughs) yeah it is it is it is so adult swim in its fives i think we did get 100 percent pretty much or if not 100% 100% very close to all the movies that came out, you know, in the States or other countries. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, not in BC because theaters are closed here. We actually did not uh, get that that third Heaven's Feel uh, Fate's Day Night film, which I hope is going to get a re-release at some point. Because I feel like there's a lot of people who are like, mm, there's, a, there's some fast money to make once the stuff winds down, fingers crossed. Um, so I'm, I think some of the, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot in the pipeline for literally everything all at once for any type of activity, Yeah. <laughs> but certainly media stuff for sure. Yeah. We'll, uh, I mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping I can go back to a movie theater again, uh, despite the fact that I think it's not entirely dangerous to do so. I still have not been to a movie theater since last February. Uh, and I, I'd really like to, to to get back to doing that again. Uh, the, Lupin the Third, the first, is one movie that did open here. Um, I, I don't suppose you uh, you VOD'd that one yet. No, I mean I should, but it's one of those things where I know I know it's going to get a nice release. It's just kind of like I'll wait. Like I know I I, I know that's not going to disappoint me to own uh-huh. from the jump. So it's just kind of like, and uh, I mean and I don't know. It's G Kids, so they'll they'll have it at Sunrise Records. Yeah, it'll be yeah. easy to get. Yeah. I mean, even if it was was not like, I mean, if it was hard, it would probably mean it was like what a discotheque release instead. And I'd be like, oh no, our wonderful friends from the internet are have made have made yet another lovely Lupin release. What a shame. <laughs> um, yeah, just jumping into to something else. Uh, Carl, did you remember to vote in the Crunchyroll Anime Awards? Oh, I did. I <laughs> did, very much did. Did you vote every day for your favorite? 
for your oh, favorite choices. Oh, Lord, Lord, no. I just voted once uh, heavily for Isaac Head in most categories because it was like the best anime last year. Just Indeed it was. It ain't, it ain't, even, a, it ain't even a question. <laughs> I See, with the Crunchyroll Anime Awards, I find that the nominations uh, carry significantly more weight than the titles that wind up winning the actual awards in the end. Because if you're not familiar with how the Crunchyroll Anime Awards work, uh, you know, they come up with with categories and the nominations. The nominations are picked by actual pe- pe- people with, with actual credentials, people who know Paste. what they're doing, people <laughs> like... They're a, a curated <laughs> selection of judges. You don't, you don't have these. to even go into it so deeply. It's no. people with taste. People, it's classy people yeah. with good anime taste. Yeah. Who will have, like, and who better still don't just only enjoy anime. They have a very varied and complete media diet. Exactly. Uh, so they, they, they understand what good is. <laughs> but and then they let regular people vote. Well, <laughs> not even just that. The regular, like, the expectation is that you, you have the ability to vote every day. So if even if you are trying to legitimately help something win, you have to vote all seven days that this thing is running uh, for all these different categories. And also that one other problem I have with it is that they make up categories on a year-by-year basis. Um, sometimes categories are just made up for a specific title <laughs> a lot of the time, which, you know, it's not – that's not a great way of doing things. Um, it's but, like a big MTV Music Video Awards yeah. vibes. <laughs> but – like even then, it would it would even be something else if the awards just allowed everyone just to vote once, and you have to have a yeah. Crunchyroll account to do it. Like I think that would be a, a more reasonable way of doing things. But for whatever yeah. reason, they don't do it that way. Um, so as a result, usually the the winners are the most popular title, uh, regardless of the category, because people just vote for their favorite show. Um, Obsessively in, in every yeah. category, regardless of whether it even deserves to have that nomination to begin with. Um, I'm expecting that Jujutsu Kaisen is probably going to win in like almost every category it's nominated for, whether or not it it is deserving of it. I did want to highlight, though, uh, you may remember last year I had Janice Chan on the show. She was, of course, the um, illustrator and animator from Vancouver. She worked for Giant Ant, uh, and she directed the ending theme for uh, BNA, Brand New Animal. She also did the concept art uh, and contributed to the character designs on that show. I just wanted to highlight, she was nominated for both of those things. I am, the uh, and Wars. out of respect for Canadian content, I made sure to vote for her on those. Categories. I I did <laughs> I honest I did as well, um for sure. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think BNA has a chance of winning the, I, the ending theme category. Man, BNA is like up against just uh, incredible competition. Yeah, like even even if you factored everything else out, it's all like. Yeah, but like literally, Freddie Mercury got an end theme this year. And you know what? <laughs> and, I it's don't... A, and, it's a, and it's a good credit sequence too. I, it's not oh, bad. It's, it's fantastic. Great pretender. I think it, it's, it's it's incredible. I don't think even that's gonna win. I think it's gonna be the Jujutsu Kaisen ending theme, you, which you, like honestly is fantastic. But still, you're really gonna put it over. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like objectively though, if you're not like a stand for stuff and you just enjoy the medium, you'd be like, that's not the best. Yeah. All right, so I just wanted to bring attention to that. The voting period is over, so I can't encourage you to to vote for her, but it's still really awesome. I wanted to congratulate her for those nominations. Uh, For the reasons I said before, I think the nominations themselves are, like, like the the, the best takeaway you can get from the the, the awards itself. It it certainly means that the the industry 
people and the press people who actually do the very careful and thought out picking for this stuff uh recognized it for what it is which is like it is a fine like the bna the bna uh, uh you know designs there and, and the animation the whole the whole set really comes together well um and it doesn't feel out of place either it's entirely in line with uh the whole trigger vibe which is not an easy thing to to catch yeah and uh yet does so from across an ocean away it's amazing work I uh, I hope she gets to do more work with them. Or I would with, with I, I would also. I would I would like yeah. to see that. I think there's trigger of any studio. Obviously, I think has the most uh, opportunity to tap Western artists because Western artists know what they who they are and what they do. And they do so much. And, contrib- and, they, they've contributed so much to Western animation as well. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And no, they have an appreciation for it, and that shows up in certain aspects of their style, certain parts of their aesthetic, so that you don't have to be trying to like perfectly mimic whatever the current trend is. They're already setting their own pace and lane, which way more easily brings in um, a variety and a diversity of artists without it being sort of the explicit, uh, this is a uh, sort of um, compilation show of sorts. It's not, it's not the gallon dino, a pop team epic reason you can have people from uh, yeah. various various backgrounds. It's because they are already integrating that into a cohesive whole. Yeah, and on that note, Gallon Dino totally snubbed. Uh, oh, in these awards, I think at the very least they sh- that should have gotten a nomination for best best ending as well. But it, uh, I, I'm not sure if best ending. I do like the opening. I thought it was like uh, that opening. Both, that opening great, theme. Yeah. That opening theme banks. And I mean, it's it's like it's clearly like, hey, the Pop Team Epic opening theme was super EDM and went. We're gonna do the exact same thing again, but I don't care. It worked. Um, yeah. Also, that shows just. I mean, it. I mean, the only thing that I feel is missing is I really would have loved to see an AC Boom Dino segment. Dino. It's just them lifting. Kind things. of amazing they didn't bring them back. Um, I, I that, think but... it's like they get they get so much work. Um, yeah. that it, like, it's like anytime you watch any of those Japanese commercial compilations, they usually have something. Yeah. And I, 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 I have a sneaking suspicion those, those checks are way, way, way better than any of the checks you get in anime. Ja- Japanese commercials, <laughs> that's, that's where, that's where the money is. And I think in a, I mean, for a lot I mean, of Japanese I mean, productions, I, so. Well, I mean, even, even Koto Shinkai does, does those ads because the yeah. money's so great. Yeah. So like yeah. that says everything. <laughs> Actually, maybe on that note, because this has gone viral uh, two or three times now, oh, um, we should pro- probably talk about the No Frills ad, uh, which I should point out is not it's not just an ad. It's a uh, a broader campaign. Um, Everything about that campaign, the more I find out about it, it's just like it's like pulling teeth because you're like anime themed ad. You're like, that's a lot. Uh, Comics themed things, oh, really. And there's a mixtape, and I'm just like, oh fuck you, like no, come on. Yeah, it's this is because because I mean, here's the other thing that in particular is not only not original, it's all like both Hamburger Helper and Wendy's did the joke better. So Loblaws finally found a use for all that money it saved by fixing bread prices uh, for all that you know, time. All that money they, they stole now... by fixing bread prices and then only giving people a fucking $30 gift card after fixing the price I of mean... bread for a decade straight. So you would think, you know, most people might have like a loaf of bread every couple of weeks. So hey. they should be in it for $300, men. Uh, Carl, if you don't like it, go talk to Pete Bougie. He apparently knows all about it. So... <laughs> 
Um, I don't know. He's going to be busy in the new administration. <laughs> so basically, No Frills has put out this ad. It is usually cited in social media as being the uh, the No Frills anime ad. Uh, it is, but this ad itself is merely an introduction to what they call the Hollerverse. This ad is not, of course, anime. Uh, it's actually, in case you were hoping that this was maybe a Canadian ad, or were under the impression that it was a Canadian or like a Canadian animation production, it is not. Uh, it what? is produced in France by uh, Studio Eddie. One hundred percent France production. Um, I have a few things to say about this ad. First of all, it's definitely in a way, kind of trying to um, make poverty seem cool because that no, no frills is the discount. They are they are the discount Loblaws brand. Yeah. The well, Loblaws they're part. like well, they're like so. So those who aren't familiar with a couple of things, no frills yeah. is yes, a discount grocery store chain here, and the their parent company Loblaws owns a ton of grocery store chains and brands here. One of the brands that they have that's uh, most notable is No Name, which is this very unbranded. Uh, thing you may have seen some of their viral stuff uh, also on Twitter. Yeah, and basically the whole idea of No Frills is is like everything in No Frills is no name brand. They don't even bother to try and carry the President's Choice, which is their fancier brand, <laughs> as part of this. That's also that's saying a lot that you're trying to call the groceries that, that you have decided to bifurcate your grocery store brands into uh, two levels so that you could have them so that the name brand thing is somehow premium. You, uh, you have to maintain the prestige of the decadence, the decadent soda, the, <laughs> the decadent flavored soda that that uh, the, the, the chocolate put out. cookie soda we had one yeah. year. Yeah, that was uh, a sadness, uh, a damn <laughs> sadness, as, uh, <laughs> as David Lynch would say. <laughs> I think he'd, I think he'd have a few things to say about that soda beyond that, honestly. But um, but but yes, yeah, so. This ad, it's uh, it's just actually one part of a campaign that was put together by uh, the the John Street uh, ad agency. Uh, the ad agency that that put it together is is Canada based, but the entire cartoon is uh, outsourced to France. I, I had some credits here, uh, directed by Olivier Lescott, and and you know it's it's an it's a nice piece of animation for sure. Uh, I can there's some, there's can, some Sasuke, you know, yeah. Some, uh, no. Yeah, but it's once you know that it's French, you can definitely see. Oh yes, this is. Oh, this oh is yeah, this looks like Pozoco. Yeah, <laughs> it's, 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 it's got it's got big it's got big. It is totally totally anime totally vibes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is, people are like talking about this as an anime ad, and the intention of the campaign is not anime. That's not even what they're trying to emulate. When you go to the website, it's you know they talk about this whole Hollerverse. Um, they have a bunch of character profiles for all these characters who appear in, in the ad. It's all very much informed by not only, like, superhero comics, but, like, specifically 70s and 80s superhero comics. Superhero comics right from the era when people stopped caring about superhero comics, <laughs> essentially. Uh, right before... So what, so what you're saying is we should be lucky this wasn't, like, Rob Layfield style? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but the funny th- what I find funny is that I think that in developing this ad, uh, they they had no intention of, of emulating anime. They just wanted to have like an action superhero kind of vibe to it. But the problem is that that doesn't really, we, we, especially when you send it to France, when you tell them to do action animation, they're like they're gonna make it anime because that's yeah, like that's that that that's that standard's been set since the 1970s. <laughs> yeah, 
And like action anime, you mean like Lazy Matsumoto? Like, uh, <laughs> sure. They have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, and, and also they have they have like actual comic strips they've made. I've seen those ads pop up on yeah. on Twitter and Facebook as well, and they are completely done in. It, it, I, I'd pin it down as like a mid '80s kind of Marvel comic style, and also the the introduction to Hollerverse commercial that's been running on TV. Uh, it like it opens the full version opens with um, kind of a riff on the Marvel Studios uh, production logo at the beginning as well. So like this is not supposed to be anime, but, pe- but people are clinging to it as anime, uh, which I find um, you know that could represent the fact uh, that. You know the media system here in Canada is so starved for actual anime content uh, that people will I, cling to this. That's that's my that's my predictable I, take. I, I, There's obviously I, more to it than that. I, I think I think it went viral outside of that, so people assumed, well, this must be like a Canadian thing that's anime style because yeah. they have none of the other context. They don't know about no frills. They don't really know about no name brand stuff. So they're just like they 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 understand that like the closest thing this looks to because it's clearly going to be, it clearly is emulating that by virtue of the 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 the, the, the French animation. Uh, background is just like yeah, it looks like anime. It's got anime style pacing. Hey, a Canadian grocery store did an anime thing, fun, and it's like Let's, I don't know. It's just I, kind of it's a, it's a letdown. And as as you and I well know, uh, Canadian grocery stores, Loblaws owned grocery stores, mind you, have already been in actual anime. Thanks yeah. to <laughs> thanks to Wizard Barristers. I I am currently trying to go on an anime pilgrimage to the superstore from uh, Wizard Barristers uh, that was rendered in loving detail. I think it was like episode six or something. They go can't they you, go to can't superstore. Can you walk to that? I can walk to... to it because it's right near my house. Uh, <laughs> I still it's... say they should have character goods there. If they had character goods there, people would be flying out just to go to that damn superstore. Yeah, I'd like to know the story behind that. Did they find the picture online? I haven't been able to find that exact picture online. Did did like some animator did did Yasuomi Umetsu come to Coquitlam? And like take a reference photo there or something. Well, like, he couldn't have because it was the old green livery, and it was and they had already gone to the blue. They had already gone to the blue and red livery before I even moved up. So yeah, like that's got to be an old like. I mean, is this some sort of like reference library photo thing that you can get? Like, was this like a Getty? Is this a Getty Images thing we're missing out on here? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Anyway. No. Anyways, anime is already Canadian grocery stores have already been in a real anime. Yeah. So watch Wizard Barristers. It's totally worth it. Just for that, and it's in no way a mess of a show. <laughs> it, it is a huge mess of a show. <laughs> that episode is a mess of a show. Like yeah. I, I still, I still love going back to those tweets and and remembering like, oh yeah, they thought that they couldn't get Japanese food in Canada. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where will we get soy sauce in Canada? <laughs> also, like I gotta point out, like the ending, the last couple episodes of that show are a disaster. Like at least in the broadcast version. Is that is 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 the is the cleanup version streaming anywhere? It's on High Dive. Oh yeah. dear. <laughs> <laughs> well, never mind then. And well, that's all we'll say on that. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the no frills ad. Um, I I think it, it. I find it funny that it represents a kind of dissidence that people online are pointing out that this is an anime ad because that's not the intention. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if like. Loblaws or the the ad agency like didn't weren't didn't even like recognize that it um that that what what they wound up here was anime and it you know it's just, it's just funny that people are uh people are just projecting that onto it it's uh, a a funny outcome for 
uh, an ad that really I, I think is inappropriate for um, for advertising this type of uh, this type of grocery store. But I mean, I, it's so funny because their earlier ad campaigns around No Name being this very generic brand were so much more fitting. And yeah. so much, and still went viral and stuff. It's just like this just seems like way too much. I, and they've got other things that that would fit. Like that would be fine for like Superstore, um, like which is their big. Uh, you know, I would if for anybody in the states, the clear closest thing certainly on the West Coast is going to be. It's like it's like a Fred Meyer's. It's a grocery store, yeah. but there's clothes and shit too. So it's also like any Super Target or any or a larger Walmart. Yeah, like that would have been a would have been a better fit rather than being like, hey, you gotta shop at No Frills. Like, don't 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 try and put a coda, don't try and put a sheen on that. Yeah. Uh, right now, because there's a lot of people who are shopping at No Frills who used to be able to shop at Superstore. <laughs> it's just, um, you, you know, we're we're heading towards a permanent underclass, so you got to have these brands ready for them. Boy, I, I yeah. can't wait for the really sick Dollarama ads next. Oh my maybe God. they can, maybe 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 they can, uh, you know, get some folks out of retirement from AKA Cartoon. We can have a fun ad like for for that. Have the the folks at Peely in uh, Taiwan do a do a, a sword puppet ad for uh, for for Dollarama. That's uh... oh my God. <laughs> and it's like at least people were pointing out that like yeah, Loblaws is it was good to see in the comments and also see people reacting to it in the comments. Oh, these guys aren't cool. Good to know. It's it's, it's not like it's it, it's great to see that some of this memetic stuff isn't just straight retweet, no critical thinking. Um, so that's that's a yeah. plus. On on that side, I want to see more. I, I'd like to see more actual anime commercials uh, done for Canada. Like you know, obviously we have we had the um, the tourism ad uh, a few years ago, but like I recently saw a Nescafe ad that was done for for the Hong Kong market. Um, they could just run that one here. Yeah, yeah, they could do that. Um, like st- stuff like that. Rent, like having an anime studios render Canadian cities. That's that's something I'd love to see. Uh, and you know, this this no frills thing is just. What you you didn't get enough of that out of Super Lovers? <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't aren't aware, that's technically set in Edmonton. <laughs> is it Edmonton? I remember it was Alberta. Was it I don't think that I. It was. Al- I don't think it was. It was I don't think it was Alberta. I don't think it was specific enough to tell. No, because <laughs> uh, they didn't put the effort in that Wizard Barristers did, and that should say a lot about the level of effort put into the show. Um, we have we have more uh, Canadian oh, content in or uh, C- Canadian representation in anime. We're gonna get to in a bit, but first, mm-hmm. there's one other thing I just wanted to touch on. It's been a year since we brought it up on this show and there has oh, been a boy. lot of development and the development that has happened has been kind of predictable, but I just wanted to touch base on it again. Um, so as some of you may know, um, a little uh, over the year, a little over a year ago, the federal government conducted a study to investigate updating the, the broadcasting act. Um, this is of course the legislation that, you know, designs Canadian radio and television as we know it. It establishes Canadian, the things like Canadian content quotas, it informs the CRTC and the CBC, uh, but notably it does not regulate online streaming services or anything on the internet in any way. And uh, there was a study that happened a little over a year ago uh, that was looking into updating the Broadcasting Act. Uh, and it had some really promising stuff in it, like an ad-free CBC, 
um, sort of refocusing the uh, the CRTC and rebranding them a little bit. Uh, a lot of stuff that I think would be really great, but of course, those things are not priorities. The priorities are regulating streaming services, getting them to pay up. And uh, there's actually legislation before Parliament right now um, put forward by our Heritage Minister, Stephen Gilbo, uh, asking to do just that. But the problem is, no one really actually knows how to do that, much less the Canadian government. And that's what's kind of been represented in the legislation that's uh, that, that's come up. Um, and yeah. there actually hasn't been a lot of discussion about this because uh, it, it you know it has pretty far-reaching implications. I think that's part of the problem is, is they have no idea what they're trying to do. So they've built something so vague that it's almost hard to like really infer what could happen because anything could happen from it. Like it's yeah. one of those things where it's like no matter what we say about it right now. Well, we're going we're gonna to say some things about it. Um, none of it will necessarily come to fruition just because, like, the law is so tabula rasa because they threw their hands up. It's like, oh, CRTC must be smart enough to know. And uh, no guarantee of that whatsoever. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I, It is worth pointing out that this is this type of regulation, it's not unprecedented. There is There have been multiple laws put forward in the EU so far, most of it hasn't actually been legislated, but uh, it's mostly just been um, in the form of like treaties and, and and things that haven't actually been been put forward. But a lot of the time, um, a lot a lot of what's been proposed there has arguably been been kind of worse because I, I won't get into too much detail about this this legislation. Um, if you want more information about it, actually, um, most of the commentary about this has been from Michael Geist. Uh, he's the Canada Research Chair in Internet and E-Commerce Law at the University of Ottawa. He's he, he's a he basically he's a major talking head guy on TV a lot when it comes to issues of of tech and law. Uh, he gained a lot of notoriety back when Canada's co- copyright laws were being updated a little over a decade ago. I've met him before. He's he's a, he's a really nice guy, and he he's written multiple articles about this. He's wrote blog posts. Uh, he did a 45-minute podcast on his Law Bites podcast. I think it's the best summary yeah. of where this is. I, I, there's a, a couple. I have a, a couple issues with his his stance. I think uh, I think he has a couple biases mixed in with uh, the way he approaches it. And of course, you know, he he knows more than I do. He's a he's a lawyer. I never even took the LSAT. Um, but anyway, that's gonna it's the best rundown. And if you want to get more information on this, but uh, European countries. Um, have been many of them have been trying to push actual quotas uh, on the internet like you have to have this much european content or this much content from this country on your streaming service um as far as we can tell that's not happening with the canadian law they're trying to push more in the area of um uh having access to algorithms or receiving information about algorithms and user data so that canadian content can be made more discoverable um, and I am going to say, on principle, I agree with that. And that, that's, that's something that Geist takes issue with. Um, I think it's in because it, it, it's so broad. The way yeah. it's written is so loose that well, the information they ask for could be so invasive and detailed. So there's no strict, explicit saying, like, you can only have anonymized data to demographics or something like that. It could be, I mean, even just asking for the algorithm itself, is that's quite a, quite a serious industrial kind of secret thing. Some of these places try to, to, to guard. 
Um, and that doesn't necessarily, uh, that stuff is so now based on machine learning that if they gave it to you, you couldn't get anything fucking useful out of it anyways. Um, and I say that from the working in data science aspect from my side of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, having that, if they said like, well, this is how we ch- chose things and it's just a bunch of like, uh, weights in a neural network, that doesn't help you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's useless. They, they don't understand how it works necessarily in a real sense of understanding of it. Um, and I mean, that's I'm not, why I'm when they gonna... turn the numbers up too high, it hallucinates Nazis into YouTube, right? So <laughs> that kind of problem, but it's the kind of thing where it's all like, in fact, there isn't an explicit sort of limit to the size of streaming thing that it could be uh, asked for, the detail of this data. Part of it is a vague piece of legislation. And in that, that means they haven't thought, thing, thought, thought things through. And they're counting on the CRTC to do that. And they can't be necessarily counted on to do that um, without possibly, I mean, there is the open possibility of them, uh, infringing in ways that would then you'd have to go back and be like, oh, actually, that turned out to be, you know, it's like write your legislation with the Charter of Rights maybe in mind, which includes privacy as an enshrined right. So the way I see it, you shouldn't have to, like, assemble eight things to get context. And I think that's a fair I think it's a very, very fair critique that they can make this bill a lot more explicit. Yeah. And just avoid a bunch of the questions we're about to, to talk through. Yeah. I do, I do agree with that, but I think one problem here is that, that the whole approach is based on the assumption that, um, that these tech companies can't cooperate with governments in order to, which, which is to, in already... order to, 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 to actually, fit, fit, to actually accomplish these things and make sure that they're, you know, responsibly working within the cultural industries of any country. And because I, I don't think it's except it, I, I do agree, like on principle, at the sole basis of this, I think it's good to try and um, try and rethink all this because it's it's very bad to have major American tech companies like essentially controlling the, the the cultural industries in any other country. Like we, it's it's not acceptable. You do have to do something about it. There's a, there's a certain colonialism to the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, uh, um, that's you know it's a lot. That's, that's, that's a lot's coming from Canada, but still technically yeah. correct here. And mm-hmm. a lot of the pushback is just assuming that the way these companies work is like, and and the the information in their user data and their algorithms that this is all sacrosanct, and that there that everything that makes them good, everything that makes them desirable to audiences, uh is uh, tied to the fact that they are separate from governments. They are separate from regulation and that the regulation itself is going to forcibly rip that apart or forcibly infringe on things these companies are able to do or, of course, the information that we give to those companies um, as well. And I, obviously, this, this exposes possibly a fundamental problem. I, I, I like to think that there's a better solution to this and it's not a fundamental problem in that the idea of broadcasting and the idea of content distribution in Canada can be broadened uh, to to incorporate that, which I think is that is the base idea. The big compromise in this bill basically is that the idea that they are they are almost explicitly broadening the what like the uh, the broadcast ecosystem in Canada to incorporate foreign streaming services, and in doing so, they actually remove one of the most important details of the original Broadcasting Act, right. um, which is the idea that the Canadian broadcasting system shall be effectively owned and controlled by Canadians. It's like the first thing 
in the actual text of the Broadcasting Act, and that is removed. Now, on that note, I, I, I'm very curious to know how many countries actually have um, a, a point like that in their own communication legislation. Uh, it's, it's, I, I, I don't think it is common to do so. Well, I mean, it does. It, I mean, it's part of how we've ended up with our weird vertically integrated oligopolies. Yeah. Which, uh, on the yeah. other hand, on one side, those vertically integrated oligopolies are protecting us from uh, a lot of the uh, from even American, worse American from, companies. From, from <laughs> so, American vertically integrated yeah. oligopolies that are as bad or worse. But there's a question there with specifically streaming because yeah. they don't they tend to necessarily be totally ver- vertically integrated. Netflix buys a lot of content from production companies. So does Amazon and so does, I mean, even if you're getting into these other streaming services that are, are out there, they're buying, you know, they don't right. own the studio and produce stuff. They go take a bag of money to somebody and say, go make us a show. It seems like you've got talented people. Um, and a bunch of that, and as is, uh, has, has been pointed out in that podcast you mentioned, a lot of that money uh, from Netflix, uh, Netflix is spending a lot of money in Canada. Um, it's, it's it does true. Come, it does it does come with the caveat that then instead of that being owned by a Canadian uh, you know uh, media giant like Bell, it's owned by Netflix unless it was some sort of you know clever little co-production. But either way, Canadian artists ate <laughs> um, because it got made. So if part of you know you gets into this finer detail of are we here to is this an are we trying to spur the creative industries here? But we don't necessarily care about long-term in, 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 uh, ownership. We're just here to make sure that people here are making can work in these fields um, reliably and regularly, and have that be uh, to that in that way a bit of a soft power thing, but not so explicitly uh, a soft power thing as you know the CBC makes a show and that gets is there anything the CBC can sell overseas? But the CBC owned it, a Canadian company owned it and yeah. funded it. Uh, and, and the net and net that's Netflix a dumping money into a lot of productions. I mean, a lot of people feel that the reason they do that is the threat of regulation rather than the um, regulations exist. Else. Yeah, like, uh, and, like how, I mean, how much of this is you need to dangle this as a constant paranoia, but never necessarily actually. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. So hard to say. Um, because I, 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 like, I, actually, I don't think that's sustainable. I don't think that's sustainable. no. If it's at some point, at some point, they call your bluff. Unless they're like, yeah, shoot, big, you know, or they say like, we don't, you don't have to threaten us. Vancouver yeah. gets gets work done, Toronto gets work done, um, and your dollars are going to be forever favorable because uh, you're a petrocurrency and oil's dead. So, you know, there's there's that question um, of, you know, is this necessary? But then also these the separate question of what would what's the possible weird collateral that you get the second it does you have something as vague as this become law yeah and that the the vagueness as you know we we've, we've made clear that that is the key problem behind everything and it doesn't necessarily mean that everything's not going to work out but having things dangling in the air with that kind of uncertainty is definitely um were it's definitely worrying it is worth emphasizing that the reason that so many companies are shifting to streaming is not so much because of consumer demand and competition it is to evade regulation because they're yeah. trying to get out of that sphere that that heavily regulated sphere that they've been in for decades and just kind of do what they want and make money uh, on their own terms and that that is 
That is a bad thing. And not just the government regulation of things, yeah, but also just the other deals that they have struck. We gotta tie. We gotta tie this to anime. Uh, yes. we've been we've been uh, preambling we beat, for too long. We've we, we beat we've beat around the bush too much. Okay. All right. So the key question is: Is there a threat that this legislation could affect streaming anime streaming services in Canada? So I'm pretty confident that the answer is almost definitely no. Again, the led the legislation we've seen does not give a clear definition on how this is going to happen but it, they make they do express the intent to divide to to sort of draw a line between streaming services that need to be regulated and those that don't it's very clear they're going after Netflix Prime Video Disney Plus yeah po- quite possibly only those 3 um, yeah i mean is there do we have any other major top tier international streaming services i don't think no. we even have access to a lot of them no i <laughs> so mean it's, yeah it's and, and there's only to... so many that that could that could come and but the thing is that we're you know we we it's possible we'll see more like maybe we'll see peacock maybe we'll see hbo max who knows um but in relation to what we were saying before about all these companies pivoting to streaming services uh you know largely to evade regulation it's just that everyone kind of has one. Uh, NBC mm-hmm. has Peacock. Um, Warner CBS has... is going to turn CBS All Access into yeah. Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, yeah. And then we and, have... they, and, and then they also technically have Pluto, but we're uh, they broke the app up here in Canada, so non yeah. non issue. So <laughs> and then of course Warner has HBO Max. These are all services that whatever the Canadian government or, or the CRTC determines how they draw the line between services that need to meet these recommendations and those that don't again doesn't seem to be any guarantee that it's going to play out that way and again i encourage you listening to the uh, that law bites podcast for more information on that um but it is worth but, noting but, that you should sony, to the chase yeah sony we, recently yeah. acquired crunchyroll they now own crunchyroll and funimation well it's it on the not, last is, is it done done or is it's, it underway it's, it's done enough it's happening <laughs> yeah it's gonna happen um, and no and, one's going no one's going to actually complain about it regulation wise yes yeah. And there's not going to be any any antitrust uh, <laughs> uh, obstacles towards this, and and presumably, I, I think we're going to be looking at probably a year plus period where these two services are still separate. But presumably, they will merge them together. If Sony isn't stupid, they will brand it as Crunchyroll and not Funimation because that is the brand people associate with anime streaming almost uh, everywhere globally, in the world. Um, yeah. So there, but the thing is that they are looking not only to make this their the, the the big anime service like this is Sony's streaming service this is what they're going all in on um if you you're not aware i mean obviously they got rid of crackle canada a number of years ago but crackle in all other regions including the us has now been sold off they sold it to the uh, the chicken soup for the soul corporation which is now also becoming a giant media company as well they're well, that, actually, gets, that gets into that whole other weird thing of it's like, hey, did you know like you can stream Hallmark and Lifetime and yeah. all this other weird stuff? Yes, all of those things have their own little weird streaming things as well. Yeah, they're well, chickens. <laughs> so they're putting out like movies. They're 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 putting out that that Nicolas Cage Five Nights at Freddy's knockoff thing that looks fucking awful. But like at the beginning of this of the of the trailers, like a, a Chicken Soup for the Soul production. I mean, I um, love that Chicken Soup for the Soul decided. You know what we need. Uh, Mandy meets Five Nights at Freddy's. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
that movie looks fun, fucking awful. <laughs> uh, to be I sure. mean, it, it, I'm, um, I'm sure I'm sure it'll be just as good as the bl- Banana Splits reboot. <laughs> Mandy showed that you know a, a talented director can use crazy Nicolas Cage well. Um, yeah. but I which don't... is why it's, which is why I swear to God, like the lighting in a bunch of those, a bunch of the shots in that trailer are totally Mandy ripoff yeah, shots. Yeah. Yeah. Vancouver based It'll... director on that movie, by the way, um, oh, for, for Mandy. Also, if Chicken Soup for the Souls becomes a competitive studio, you know, all the more power to them. They need, they need as much of that as possible in the U.S. right now. But the point is just like all these companies are having their own streaming service. This the conglomerated anime service that's going to be Sony's service. That's going to be mm-hmm. their streaming entity. That's they they got rid of Crackle. That's it. So, yeah. is it possible? Well, that I mean, this they, conglo- all, all they will all they will have at the end of this is they'll have Funimation, an anime streaming service. Crunchyroll, an anime streaming service. Wakanim, an anime streaming service. Yeah. Batman, an anime streaming service. They're not going to keep running four sets of servers, kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll have. They'll probably be one English one and one French one in Canada. They'll, yeah. they'll be Crunchyroll for English and then Wakanim for, for French is what I expect is going to happen. Um, and they are, again, they already have Wakanim here right now. And I think it's probably just going to, they're just, just probably going to add content to it. Take, take the few French things they have on Crunchyroll and, and move it around. But again, who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll happens. have a dub and sub service, which seems miserable, but not I impossible. really hope they don't do that. Um, <laughs> God. Um, but, but yeah, I, I mean, that question is, will this result in a service big enough to mm-hmm. get the attention of Canadian regulators and have to be regulated? And like, what would the result of that be? Um, even if that, that did happen, I wouldn't expect them to. Dennis gets a lot more work. She has yeah. to do all the ops nets. <laughs> I mean, Sony can handle it. I'm sure they're not, I don't think they'd exit the market over something oh, like that. No way. Uh, it's free money. Yeah. For, for, for sure. And, and they're probably going to be facing even worse regulation in other countries if that did happen as well. Like, yeah. keep, keep an eye on what's going on in, in Europe, I think, especially in France right now, because that, that's going to be uh, the canary in the coal mine for a lot of this streaming uh, regulation stuff right now. Um, but yeah, like I, uh, I would be I will be if if an anime service has to be subject to this regulation, I would be very interested to see how that plays out. I'd like to think that it would result in uh, dubs being done in Canada, but that that's probably that would, just not going to happen. <laughs> I, I, I don't know because, I mean, this gets into a, a bigger question about just that merger generally, which is who, what parts are, are going to, are going to survive from each piece because they've got a lot of duplication on the horizon here. And it's just very much up in the air. What practices from, you know, Funimation get maintained, what practices from Crunchyroll get maintained, because you don't need two subtitling staffs. Do you keep using the people who are credited and paid decently, or do you use the people who are uncredited and paid poorly? Um, you don't need two marketing staffs. Do you do the ones, do you keep the one in very cheap uh, Fort Worth, Dallas, or do you keep the ones who are in very expensive San Francisco? Um, on the other hand, you just built those guys a beautiful set of offices, might balance things out. There are so many questions up in the air with that, that um, then do, depending on what gets kept, where they decide to do things, how they decide to do things. You know, if they decide like, hey, we're just going to try and do everything uh, on the on the uh, we, we want to just handle the streaming parts of this. and We want everything else to be outsourced and expensive. Hey, that could be a real opening for, for Canadian dub studios again. Um, it's really hard to say. Yeah. Uh, like there are so many 
that is in, in motion in the middle of, of course, an unprecedented time, etc. Yeah. Uh, but then there's we also going to be know. the question. But of, certainly, the size of its, the size of whatever that is in the market is so big, it's hard to imagine a cutoff that exempts Crunchyroll as this global, essentially monopolistic player because yeah. High Dive is such a rounding error. And unless <laughs> Netflix decides to really start like going in, and to be fair, this is an opportunity for Netflix to acquire possibly an entire company's very talented uh, licensing staff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and then, it's also an opportunity for the bidding war to suddenly make high dive viable again. Who knows? Um, all of this stuff still, it's hard to imagine somehow that they would be below a threshold that would be large enough to catch other low tier U S things. Right. Like, am I wrong to think that like, you can't really cut out, cut a niche for Crunchyroll unless you say like, well, it's a specialty service and therefore all specialty services don't count, in which case everybody's going to try and say they do genre content. Like that can't, that, it'll have to be money. Yeah. So if it gets big enough, at some point it hits that wall. How do they, how do they cope is a good question. And I mean, Sony may exploit the streaming service just for other content as well, because yeah. if it's their only streaming service, then they're. I mean, they you know, always, anything t- even seems even tangentially related, they're gonna they're probably gonna throw it on there. Well, I mean, it's the kind of thing where unless there is, I mean, this gets into you know, are they a long term thinking company or are they a fast money company? If they're a fast money company. Hell, they may keep multiple streaming services because that's possibly two subscriptions rather than one, even if underneath the hood things are still running uh, identically because there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's a quarterly, you've got X subscribers. If you put them together, you'll only have, you'll, you'll, you'll mush those numbers together for a bit and technically you've gone down in subscribers. Who knows how I mean, goofy their Hollywood math type things might be here. But if they're being really practical about it, you start doing stuff like, uh, what Disney did and what HBO has done, uh, at least in the U.S., which is you gradually claw all these rights back so that you get to be the one streaming it, not any of your competitors, not anybody who's even vaguely adjacent, which means, hey, maybe at some point Sony wants to run, like, the Spider-Man cartoons they have on there. It wouldn't be out of place. No one's going to really mind it. Um, in things of that nature, like, they've got a media library. They own other... Uh, animated properties and so on and so forth. They've got animation studios uh, underneath their belt. Um, what is the downside? Certainly, once you've otherwise maybe cycled it through, even if you want to cycle it through a bunch of other places first, oh, we're going to throw that on Netflix first. We're going to throw that on Amazon first. Eventually, that deals up. Well, do you want it to disappear and be in the vault? No, because then somebody will pirate it. So maybe it turns up. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I think that the actual merger, inevitable merger of these services, it's, it's a ways off. So it's, um, it is a little hard to speculate exactly what it's, it's all going to look like at the other end. Yeah. Um, I mean, who knows how much of their, I mean, they may not even retain all of their library stuff as part of that stuff going forward. They may take a look at a bunch of their licenses that they've been kind of just sitting on because, well, then you would get it. And it's like, well, actually, neither of us really wanted it. And then it will end up on High Dive or, or, or Retro Crush anyways. So it's hard to say how much of that stuff is going to happen. Um, other than that, we've seen sort of those kind of things happen with as the physical market imploded at the end of the O's. Yeah, there was a bunch of stuff that just never really turned back up. <laughs> uh 
anywhere because yeah. nobody really wanted to have to get that. That was just part of getting something they cared about. And as those de- deals imploded and rights reverted to whoever, people just picked, you could, you know, grab the caviar off the top. We'll see where all that goes, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it's so you, hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> if, uh, I, I don't think that legislation is moving too fast, uh, no. through parliament right now. Uh, if I don't you, think it's a priority. <laughs> and there's gonna, there's gonna be multiple opportunities for, for public input on that as well. Um, it, uh, this is why I was kind of, originally I was gonna focus this entire episode on this subject. We've already, we, we, we've spoken about it for, for quite a while now, but it just, it seems so insignificant when you look at other things going on in the world right now. Um, but I mean, keep an eye on it. You can always, if you want to give input on this legislation, there's a lot of input to give. Of course, yeah. uh, you can email uh, Stephen uh, Gilbo. Uh, he's the Heritage Minister. There'll be public input opportunities, I'm sure, that are going to point point people to uh, d- different conclusions that the government wants for sure. But um, yeah, some, something to keep an eye on. Again, it's not being reported on a lot. Um, and I, again, I don't think there's a huge threat. Again, not a huge threat to anime overall. But with the way things are constantly shifting around, uh, there's, there's all sorts of possibilities. So, Like I said, I don't think it'll be intentional. They'll just stumble into it, and then they'll be like, oh, dear. <laughs> oh, bother. All right. Well, uh, but before we wrap up, uh, Carl, have you been checking out any new anime this well, season? Well, you know, I watched, I, I watched the one anime this season that I, I knew that I'd have to check out, which is X-Arm. <laughs> And you're really excited about X-Arm because it finally validates uh, your appreciation of Handshakers and Wiz. Handshakers is actually still pretty bad. Wise is a lot better. Um, they, 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 they worked out what they were trying to, to get at with that aesthetic and also just realized, like, just put on lo-fi uh, study beats to chill to and then do really nice backgrounds of Osaka and everything else can kind of, like, ride. Um no, it's it, it does make me realize it's like there's a huge difference between trying a strange aesthetic that's off putting, but like there there's a rule to the whole thing all the way through. And Handshakers and Wise has a very off putting aesthetic, but I realize it's like much in the way something like Problem Solvers does, where it's like it's explicitly following through on what it's trying to do. It knows what it wants to do. It doesn't care if you like it. And in this fact, or if you get a seizure. Yeah, it's perhaps intentionally dislikable, but it, it, it there, there is uh, there is an underlying system to it. And X-Arm just is a fucking mess. <laughs> X-Arm like, is I, one I, of I, the worst I, things I have ever seen. My, my girlfriend commented that it looked like a Teletoon original production from 2006. I think she might be thinking of that Skyland show that was running around that time, which I, it, I don't even remember what that, what I that mean, looked like. I mean, it's but... one of those things where it's all like, it does, it's just... It's not even that, like, I get that, like, the guy's uh, more trying to do stuff with motion capture and his live action director, and I see those bits in it. Who has never but, worked on an anime. Uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's directed by a person who's never worked on an anime, and it shows, because it's like, there's a bunch of things where it's like, even if what your goal is, is to heavily use a new technology, there's a bunch of other shit you follow through on, even if you're completely green, if you have a sense of animation. And you see that in, like, a work like, Early CG, CG heavy works like Blue Sub Six. You see that, and um, oh, like you go down like a lot of Gonzo stuff. Like you can see, like oh, there are seams here. There are issues they haven't worked out, but they're consistently not straight. There's not 
uh, here's a character that we have hand drawn, and here's a person that's being done in like cell CG, and here's a person that's like it's like it's not this like bizarre mess in combination with like bad perspective and all these other there's a bunch of technical problems yeah that I, are like baseline like this person's not in the right fucking scale shot to shot and these lip, lips don't move right that aren't that you can't say like well that was a, that was an aesthetic choice where it's like when you look at other shows you're like Ugh, that's off-putting but then you realize it's like yeah oh but it always is so that was conscious that wasn't a mistake they're just trying to get at you the most this notable show gets at you because it doesn't know what the fuck it's doing <laughs> the most notable the most the thing you'll see uh noted most in x-arm and it, and it is the most noticeable thing is that char- significant characters who appear over and over again are modeled in 3d and characters who only like appear once or in a few scenes are drawn in 2d uh, and they look much better <laughs> as a they result look, of that. So you know a character is going to be insignificant because they're they're not in 3D because they're they're drawn well or drawn look, like competently. <laughs> yeah, they, well, they're drawn competently. I can't say well because like yeah, the 2D characters well, still no. look like shit. <laughs> like like yeah. if you, it's like it's like and I I mean like it is bad enough where it's all like yeah. Have you seen like bad wannabe kind of like anime stuff from 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 France from the early O's? It's all like. Shit's cleaner. Shit's more consistent. Shit looks better. Like yeah. than 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 X Arm. X Arm is just so bad. It's all like put me in front of the worst, the worst of like that early wave of anime imitation stuff, and I uh, would be vastly happier <laughs> as a human being. Um, but that was such a notorious train wreck that like yeah, I, I went and made a point to, to 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 jam down an episode of that real quickly. But like uh, with everything being so wild for the past few months, I'm behind on. My, uh, the, the closeouts from last year for the fall season. Um, and I haven't really dug too deep yet on new stuff. I've been finishing out because I've been, uh, kind of going at it just, you know, a couple episodes at a time. So I'm almost done with Dear Brother. Oh, good, um, good. It's so good. Um, it's so, it is slow. It is a bad thing to try and watch. Like, you're like, I'm going to catch an episode of this before bed. It's all like, it's going to like, it's going to put you out because even <laughs> though like when you get to the melodramatic scene, it's melodramatic, but until then it is like, it is paced very realistically. There's a lot of, um, it's been interesting to watch it and realize it's like, Oh man, just like all of that, you know, uh, over-focusing on trains and stuff that you see at points of Evangelion. That you're school like, oh. bell, that school bell <laughs> over and over again. It, it rips into your soul. Yeah. But I mean, there's other things. There's like a lot of usage of color and like, oh, we're going to we're going to we're, you know, this is set in these locations where I'm like, oh, Ava, just just wholesale, like all of the yeah, Shinji yeah. on the train stuff yeah. is so heavily. And some of the, some of the brother more than anything else. There's some, play, some playground parts, playground shots, too. Uh, we're, yeah. we're taking quite quite a bit in Ava for that, too. Yeah. And then, of course, all of the. I mean, it is, it so sets the template for Utena. In, it is, in, it, like, like Jury's all, entire all... character in Utena is basically a reference to Dear Brother. <laughs> yeah. No, no, the whole thing is like, Utena is all like, you know, this show needs to be as, uh, more abstract and more directly gay, which is quite a feat because the show is, ain't really like, ain't really. There's, not, there's, <laughs> there's little plausible deniability. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's all like, Ah, uh, she has a crush on her uh, on her brother. No, she doesn't. Yeah. No, she doesn't. Yeah. Fuck out of here. We know. We know. We know what the real heartbreak of this yeah. show is <laughs> uh, by the end of it. Uh, but it's fantastic. It's really good. X Arm uh, was, of course, a Crunchyroll original production, and uh, oh, this and, season. Oh, 
one, which one they last, will not mention on social media at all. One uh, last one last aside on that whole Sony buying Crunchyroll thing is what is going to happen with all of these Crunchyroll originals? Because some of them are rightfully we're looking forward to because they're also co-pros with Toonami. Save nothing how stuff how that whole relationship's going to work out. But like they have had they have shows that are ostensibly done that they've never shown. High Guardian Spice. Uh, they have shows that they should have never shown. X Arm. And they ostensibly have a production studio or two uh, between uh, L.A. and Tokyo. What's going to happen with all this? And I don't think anybody knows. That's a, like like I said, nobody nobody even knows if Sony for sure is going to end up with Crunchyroll's technology because I have heard conflicting reports from people who I truly respect on the matter. Yeah, we as to whether that's part of the deal. We <laughs> mentioned previously that um, that they're not take they're not going to be able to take the technology or uh, in any of the platform with them, but apparently that might not be true. So yeah, don't listen like, to for, us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's not, <laughs> don't, it's not even don't listen to us. It's like I've heard that there, it can't go with because from people from people who work at CNN and thus would have kind of the inside lead, I've heard it's got to go with from people who work at major anime companies. <laughs> so who knows? So anyway, that's a Crunchyroll original production. Meanwhile, everything else is on Funimation. Like yeah, every, everything so worthwhile sad. this season, uh, it, it's all Funimation stuff. Um, I, my, I, I would say I, I've been watching some of it. I, um, I'd say my favorite show, the show that stood out the most to me, is Other Side Picnic. Um, it's like it is a, it's, it's a Yuri sci-fi show. It toys with you know the, the basic idea of a, of a parallel world that's explorable that um exists sort of in the same space as ours um which More is something kind of kind of kind of dual parallel adventure yeah. kind of vibes yeah uh classic sci-fi concept um which is not surprising because this is actually adapted from a soviet sci-fi novel um roadside picnic which is one of one of the major like progenitors of that type of concept in science fiction and we've oh, seen wow. it in so many things uh since since that novel came out and what's neat about other side picnic is that because it's adapting a classic sci-fi novel it's able to take that base concept from the novel it's able to look at other derivative works that have toyed with that same concept over the years and kind of integrate them in it mixes in some elements of like um urban myths or uh, like or, or, or like internet rumors uh, as seem to be more common in Japan, um, and just sort of integrate them into that base concept. And because they don't have to do the heavy lifting of you know creating this this the the sci-fi elements of the show, they can just kind of focusing focus on you know the chemistry between the main characters uh, or their own conflicts that you know are, are obviously very different from what was in that original book um but it just just allows all those elements to come together really concisely and compellingly uh and it's uh you know it's, it's been a a real delight to watch so far it's actually directed by takia sato um who he wasn't only he directed kasu-san morning glories uh ova uh, he was also the director of uh Nia under seven and uh strawberry marshmallow as well uh, back. Very interesting yeah. background, and uh, yeah. you know, uh, Nia being a pretty, you know, it's a sci-fi comedy, but it's a very interesting sci-fi setting for uh, for what it is. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's it's not it's not been something that's been cloned a trillion times in anime for once. 
Um, so yeah, I, there's a lot of stuff I need to check out. Like I've also heard, um, I've heard Wonder Egg is supposed to be pretty wild. Wonder Egg is now, now there, now there's a show, uh, I, I, sorry, I, did, I didn't study too much. I didn't, uh, review the, the credits or anything too much. I know the screenwriter for that is someone who does not work in anime and takes a much more like art house style approach to the storytelling in it something that you wouldn't normally see in a television show let alone an anime very often at least not a, a television anime um and it explores themes like uh, like trauma and loss um and 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 things like that in a very unique visual way that combines multiple animation styles in a, in a very haunting and and disturbing manner but you know, it's it's so gripping and intense. Um, and the the director also, he, I mean, he is an anime director, but mm-hmm. I think this is his first show, which I found very surprising. I thought uh, after watching that episode, I thought that it was had been done by someone who would have at least have a whole show or a movie or something under their belt, and, and it every, wasn't. Uh, every once in a while, somebody jumps out, you know, into that first tier and, and comes out swinging, and yeah. it's it's a delight to see. Because that's when you start to, those are the people who change stuff. That's, those are your, those are, and you know, it sucks to even put them into this much of a box, but that's your, that's your Hidekianos. That's the person yeah. that's like, oh, they've been working on this little stuff and then they get a chance to really, to bloom. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I really can't say much more, uh, about it. The, the words escape me, but, uh, that's definitely one of the standouts this season and uh, I highly recommend it. Um, there's also Back Arrow, which is a mecha show. Uh, they're still making those, apparently. I, it's, uh, <laughs> it's so rare, because literally fucking everything's a, an izakai or fantasy setting, yeah. at least right now. Like, we're just filthy with them, and, 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 and Funimation's no different. It just makes it even harder on other services, because, like, then they really have nothing else left to pick up. Yeah. It's directed by Goro Taniguchi, who, um, among many other things, is the Code Geass director, and... Um, the show is, it's, I've only watched one episode so far. Uh, essentially, it's like Goro Taniguchi watched UFO Robo Grandizer and says this needs more himbo. More himbo. <laughs> a large amount of the, the first episode is focused on the, uh, the, the dumb, beefy, naked protagonist. Interesting world. Uh, they have, the, there's this one country that's divided in two halves. One side is like ancient China. The other side is like the Wild West. So, you know, you have this wild, wild exaggerations and stereotypes going into it, but done in a very, very satisfying Goro Taniguchi way, but it's, it was fun. I'll, I'll check out some more of it. But the one show on Funimation I definitely have to bring attention to on here is Escape the Infinity. Mm. Uh, so this is a new show, Studio Bones, directed by Hiroko Utsumi. She is, of course, the director of Free, uh, the, well, Free Seasons 1 and 2, uh, and Banana Fish. Uh, and she did not die in the uh, the Kyoto Animation Fire. And uh, also it's written by Ichiro Okochi, who is the screenwriter of Devilman Crybaby, Lupin the Third, Part 5. And he's done a little bit of writing in, like, basically every major Bones production going back to, to the beginning of that studio. Um, so what Free was to swimming, to some extent, uh, Skate the Infinity is to skateboarding. Uh, minus pretty much all the sports anime elements, or the legitimate sports anime elements that Free has. But it has the the same kind of fun characters and, uh, and you know, goofy cute boys uh, aesthetic that, that Free did. So no, most notably, this is the latest of many shows that has a Canadian 
uh, not protagonist, but supporting protagonist. He's the, uh, you know, the guy, he comes from Canada, he doesn't seem to know what skateboarding is, uh, and he's, you know, constantly complaining about the lack of snow in Japan. Um, they never specify where in Canada he's from. I'm just going to assume it's Alberta, because it's always always seems to be Alberta for some reason. It's such a weird, weird place of Canada to think. Because <laughs> it's like, here's the thing, culturally, like, they don't do otherwise give them an Alberta vibe, yeah. like, you know? But why why isn't he making his coffee with bitumen? I'm sorry, Albert. <laughs> I'm sorry. But the, the the main the main character Recky he works in a struggling skate shop and he spends his nights in like the the, the exciting scene of underground skateboarding and he uh, he drags uh, this new Canadian transfer student Langa into it and the the he's Langa is a failed stereotype of Canadians in in every way except for one key moment uh, when he has to uh, you know participate in the underground skateboarding he attaches the skateboard to his feet using duct tape uh which shows that he has definitely watched the red green show uh so that's one thing they got right uh in this show <laughs> the skaters don't find you handsome they'll at least find you handy yeah overall the, the show's a lot of fun i don't know if i'm really gonna stick with it it's free by being a sports anime it was like somewhat well researched how competitive mm-hmm. swimming works at least yeah uh, this show, despite the fact that it has a lot of attention to detail um, and a lot of good energy behind it, it doesn't feel like they really researched the actual elements of anything <laughs> that went into yeah. this show beyond a, like a few aesthetics. Um, yeah. Despite that, it all comes together like really, really cohesively. But there's like nothing about like realistic skater culture or uh, and i mean langa langa as a canadian character definitely falls into that uh i've from what i've seen he they they really don't have a lot they want to sink their teeth into with him as like a canadian stereotype it's like really really broad stuff like he misses snow he says sorry uh they (laughs) that's really about it have him say sorry and like they make jokes about him saying sorry i think it was like a next episode preview thing i don't i don't i don't boy but um, i mean it'd be really funny if they just really went in and all like i can't wait to have maple syrup and have a double double and just the most i'm sure there's been a maple syrup joke i can't remember Um, his favorite anime should be anna green gables (laughs) yeah uh yeah so we'll uh we'll see where that goes i i'm sure it will be a, a pleasant watch uh for for the whole season for sure. Yeah. I'm not expecting anything too interesting in uh in terms like of Canadian kind of representation a season to be to be honest. Like I don't I haven't seen anybody I haven't seen anything that's a little like and maybe it's because so much stuff is on Funimation and people really got into the habit of only having Crunchyroll. Um but I haven't seen a lot of oh this is the one. There's yeah. been nothing that's kind of had that kind of magnetic energy of a you know, well, there is attack. Uh, Isaac, the latest Attack on Titan season, right? Yeah, now. but I mean, but, uh, but, but then that's why season in. That's why season in. Like, there's yeah. been nothing, there's been no new show where it's all like sparked anything. Uh, where it's like, oh, this is the one. Like, I haven't seen anything where people just kind of glom onto it. And I mean, partially because like some of the interesting stuff is spinoff or sequel. Like, I'm like, I haven't gotten to it, but I will watch. Uh, cells at work and cells at work black like um, those are those are in there because i like the original shows yeah i like the original show and i and i've read the i read i read some of the black manga and i'm like yeah that's that's fun let's see it's like let's see what life is like in a shitty body that's fun um 
but there's been nothing with like I said, none of, none of those kind of Isaac moments. Nothing even necessarily like, you know, like a BNA where it's like, oh, this is interesting because you know, like nothing, nothing on Netflix. It's been quite sparked what a great pretender did, or any of you. Just this season, this light season. Like I don't, I, I don't I mean, know. I wouldn't say it's a light season. There's plenty to watch. There's I, a lot I don't to watch. I just, don't think, I just don't think there hasn't been there hasn't been that like, you know, snap wow title. At least in the um, at least at least at least on my feed. There is one there is one thing you're overlooking, Carl, and it's something that's not on Crunchyroll or Funimation. It is of course Pui Pui Molcar, the stop motion show in which guinea pigs have become cars, and yeah, it's adorable. Who ended, who ended, who ended up with that? It's on YouTube. Uh, I think it's just <laughs> uploaded directly by the TV station. In fact, I I think episode some of the episodes are actually region locked. Um, it's a, it's a really, it's, it's, it is a total kid show, but it is really cute and really fun. Um, it, it well observed, uh, guinea pig behavior in it as well. Like they, they actually paid attention to how guinea pigs act in the way that they show these guinea pig cars, um, <laughs> driving around town and, and they like tack, there's always like a special, uh, someone who's being taxied around. Um, in each episode, uh, it uses some mixed animation styles. It's uh, it's, it's really good. I, f- I found it a little frustrating to actually find the episodes on on YouTube, but if you can, it's it's worth it. There's like three or four of them so far. Well, that's clearly the winner of the season. Yeah, and I, I have actually since last season, I have been watching the new Higurashi, and I, I recently watched all of Higurashi for the first time, or the anime at least. The, 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 the classic one. The, the yeah, the original one. Um, I, it's really good. I gotta say, I really had the wrong impression of what Higurashi was uh, over the years because everything that I th- like knew about the series, I had absorbed entirely from 4chan memes, and that just gave me the impression that the show didn't have any actual substance and was just mindless violence. No, no. And it, yeah. and I, I mean, I, I think if I had been introduced to the show that way, I would have come away the same way. Yeah. But I, I, the first time I actually watched I knew the original Higurashi was at a friend's house. This was long before it was even licensed. Um, doing a doing doing a piracy, uh, and it is it is so. Even the original show, which has clearly zero budget, but is so really goes to show you that like good direction and a good story can just cheat everything, just absolutely everything. Can you can like I mean that's that's why like X Arm has no excuses because a show like Higurashi with just Clearly, no money backing it for the first yeah. season, um, but had a good story because it had the story basis from the from the from from the uh, from the games. Um, could come through and just slow burn, and, it, and it's so hard to get these slow burn arc shows to work. So many shows in the early O's tried to do these things where it was like to get really one episode's worth of content, you had to, you'd get through five episodes, but it was just a stretch. Higurashi does this burn. And then ends on those shocking moments or opens on those shocking moments. And yeah. you're just like, holy shit. And it's that there's this beautiful, loud, soft pattern to the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't gone to the new one. Yeah. In part because I am so worried that they will have now, now that they can, now that they can go off on it, it won't have that tension and that tension made the whole thing. So here's the thing about the new Higurashi. It is not a remake. Uh, or, or at least it, it, it masquerades as a remake at best. It is a sequel. Um, oh boy. Yeah. So, like, if you haven't seen Higurashi, I do not recommend starting with the new one because it, it does, it, it's not a new complete adaptation. It, it just, it doesn't work that way because it plays 
with things from the original story too much. And um, it's going in a completely off-the-rails direction in its second half. I... The the consensus seems to be no one really knows what to make of what direction it's going in right now, and I am, I, I am very much among that opinion, or I I very much share that opinion. I I really don't know where they're going. So with so this. so in other words, they 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 Evangelion renewed, uh, Higurashi. Yeah, basically, this is oh uh, boy, yeah, and that kind of also... makes it more interesting to me because I was worried that was just like going to be a, uh, and it's I mean it's the pro- it's the problem that Fruits Basket had as it's gotten into new material. And gotten more confident with itself. It's a better show. Mm. I definitely don't want to watch something like Higurashi. It's like doesn't know yeah. what it's. No. It kind of has to find its footing because part of the only reason, probably, why that show was notable enough to get a renewal version was that direction. And like also another thing about the new Higurashi, apparently it uh, integrates elements from Umi Nico or Umi Neko as well. Uh, and I, I tell you, that's not something I'm really interested in going back, uh, and, and exploring. Um, but yeah, I, like, there's definitely a sense of, a, a strong sense of where they want to go. Um, yeah. but I don't know if I like where they're going or even understand where they're going. I think a lot of people are in the same place with it right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough because but... it's, it's been, in, it's been interesting to see. I mean, in terms of, was this last year? No, it had to be earlier. No, way earlier. Uh, like, I'm thinking in terms of, like, uh, Boogie Bop and others, um, where, you know, like, that's now, you know, like, that was trying to follow the books more closely, whereas Phantom was basically its own little a side story. And the two have very d- different aesthetic senses yeah. just because technology has changed in different direction and all that. But, like, Boogie Bop and others is a great 18-episode watch. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. Um, but it's like you, it's such a gamble with any of these shows that are coming back, you know, sometimes two decades specifically later. <laughs> um, it makes it really tricky to, to, uh, feel ready to jump in on them, especially if there's other stuff to watch. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so Carl, I think we gotta, we gotta wrap up. Uh, yeah. Thanks for coming on again. Uh, can you just let people know where they can find you on social media or other places online? So yeah, you know, uh, Carl Arlson, K-A-R-L-R-O-L-S-O-N. Um, just a little blur all those letters together. Um, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, uh, .com, also ultraclastron.com uh, for your music needs. Um, I'm doing all sorts of weird singles this year. Um, uh, that Carl Arlson also even works for SoundCloud, uh, where I just uh, grabbed a random beat from one of uh, the producers I followed, uh, where he sampled Mr. Bean and rapped over that. So that was funny. Um, I, I, it's look, it's 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 quarantine times. I'm just gonna act on impulse. Who cares? <laughs> All right. Thank you for tuning in to Zon in Canada. You can reach me on Twitter at jbetteridge or email zonincanada at gmail.com. The theme song is by Ultra Klystron, right here. Me! Uh, and uh, it can be found on his album Packet Flood, and you can find that at ultraclystron.com. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Um, also, I have a coffee account, ko-fi.com slash Canada. Uh, I do lose money making this show, so if you do want to throw me a few dollars, if you like what I do, um, I'm not going to stop you. 
Uh, anyway, thanks Rate for listening. this show on all those podcast things, too. Yeah, do that, too. That's, that's, that's great. That helps. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks for listening. See you again.